to another edition of Oh This Podcast. Steve, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. I caught you mid-sip. You I know. I'm you sorry it's about okay. that. I'm sorry about that. Uh, everybody, welcome to our 16th episode. It is our number, obviously, 16. And with it, you could go with like a standard... It could be our Joe Montana, Joe Montana. Yeah, that's boring. Yeah, so we just took a Bears and Raiders legend and also some other team. Houston Oilers. Houston Oilers. uh, George Blanda. So (laughs) this is not going to be a bland episode. This is our George Blanda (laughs) episode. Yes, that that, uh, we need to disclaim that before we get going. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Steve, welcome back to the Chicago studio. Mm. Yes, thank you for having me. It's yeah. a wonderful Chicago uh, spring day. Spring, it is. Almost, it's pretty much summer, though. It's hot. It's, it, it was hot. Yeah. How was your Dark Lord day? Dark Lord day was good. We both survived. Got it was a little hot. sunburned. It was, we, we all got sunburned. Dogs yeah. were barking by the end of it. Yeah, a lot of walking, uh, a lot of drinking, um, but overall, pretty good. Pretty yeah. successful. At 4 p.m. when we saw the two dudes having a fist fight, uh, the one skinny dude knock out the one yep. big drunk yeah. dude. It's time to go. Yeah, so, that was that was interesting. Those guys had clearly been there long before we got there. <laughs> they drink a lot of Yoo-Hoo. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a not a very good fight from a technical perspective. I don't think anyone would uh, would accuse either one of those guys of being a technician in the ring. But the sound that happened, there was one takedown. Of oh, yeah, he had one, sound, one hit, one solid one. Yeah, this, the hit was insane. But, um, Steve, thanks for being here again. We are drinking some beer. We'll get into that in a little bit here. I uh, just wanted to kind of give you some updates. I'll do the metadata this week. Ooh. Uh, yeah, if you haven't done so, please do us a huge favor. We appreciate everybody taking and reaching out. And if you can, if you haven't subscribed to the show, go to iTunes. If you Google Play, if you have subscribed to the show, leave us a review. Five-star reviews help other people try to find out about us. They do. Um, and that makes us feel better and warm inside. Um, we also have that Facebook page. We also are on Twitter. You can find us up um, on Twitter individually or ohthispodcast.com. And then also, if you want to take and support us through Patreon, we would g- greatly appreciate it and love to have that support. It's not required, but if you just want to throw a dollar or two to help us do this uh, on a weekly basis and enjoy this uh, time with us, uh, the time we spend to take and do these, yeah. uh, it's a good thing. So. Yeah, kind of keeping a little docile today. So help us help you. Help us help you, um, Steve. What are we drinking this week? Yeah, this week uh, we are back in uh, into Chicago mode once again. Uh, but uh, we're kind of flipping the script on where we were last week because uh, we went uh, pretty heavy with the uh, Dark Lord, and uh, this week we're going to uh, check out the Saison style and uh, getting getting a little Belgian action here. And uh, we're drinking uh, Goose Island's wonderful Saison uh, um, Sophie. Uh, which is a really uh, highly carbonated pale uh, and uh, just a fantastic uh, springtime, summertime beer that has a uh, uh, a lot of different kind of subtle flavors to it. You get a lot of citrus, a little bit of spiciness to it. Um, you know, it's just a, a good old-fashioned uh, beer that uh, goes well with uh, nice warm weather like we're having right now. So I uh, figured we'd stick around in Chicago's, in the Chicagoland area as long as I'm here, So uh, and we've got a nice day, so let's bust this one out. Awesome. It's tasty. It's a good, nice, tasty light beer. What is a uh, beer? Do you have a beer advocate? Yeah. Rate yeah. Beer? Oh, I always got my, my beer advocate and rate beer, dude. Um, it's 92 on uh, Beer Advocate, outstanding, and a, uh, I believe they're tracking right now at Rate Beer at 97 with a 96 for the style. Um, yeah, it's uh, just uh, wild yeast. It's I think they actually age in wine barrels, so 
little bit of a different twist on uh, most other saisons that are out there but uh, yeah it's a very well executed uh, version uh, american version of a belgian style beer yeah it comes in a four pack i think well, what do we get 10.99 or something like yeah, that yeah it'll come in they they make it in four packs i also they make it in larger format bottles i think like the 20 you know 22 ounce bomber size as yeah. well um yeah so and it's on tap pretty in a lot of places as well N- national availability i would reckon so with goose island now uh, though i don't know the whole for sure offhand stuff. but yeah. i mean i've seen matilda out in california i gotta imagine sophie's out there too yeah very cool very cool so well cheers we're gonna drink this off and um i'm gonna just bring us into our first topic of the day i think it was um something that we really wanted to talk about uh we had bumped it up obviously a topic that, uh for current events issues and stuff like that. And this one kind of rings uh, true to Steve and I's heart in terms of influences in the musical world. Uh, sadly, we woke up this morning to hear uh, that the lead singer of Soundgarden and Audio Slave and Temple of the Dog, Chris Cornell, had passed away um, after a show in Detroit. And we just wanted to take and give us an, op- give an opportunity to kind of reflect on what he meant uh in terms of musical acts uh to the grunge scene to us personally mm-hmm. in terms of why we're like what it involves with us and just stuff there so um just to kind of tee that up steve you were the one who told me and broke the news when i saw this this morning yeah so. it was uh you know one of those things that uh you know i i flipped the news on expecting you know mostly to hear about our current political environment and uh you know, they obviously move on to other topics, and uh, I heard, you know, uh, the death of a, you know, legendary, you know, grunge music icon. I, you know, thought to myself, oh boy, I wonder, you know, I missed it on the first go round, uh, and then heard it on the second round that it was Chris Cornell, and uh, uh, it just kind of, I mean, obviously, I didn't know, you know, never knew the man personally, but you kind of go back through your musical memories and you just kind of go and and think about all the times that uh, you know you were you know, listening to that music of, you know, from that artist. And, uh, it, I mean, it brought me back to, uh, some different points in my life, uh, just, uh, different times, different things I was into. I was just like, the first thing I thought of was like sitting in my dorm room freshman year, uh, listening to, uh, outshine to like, for whatever reason, way too loud. And I was like, just banging around on acoustic guitar, learning the riff to it. And, uh, like, I just like very fond, like it was hot. I like, I, I remember like all of these things about it, just like it all just kind of flooded right in. I was like, holy shit, like all this all at once, you know, sitting in there like 90 degrees in the stupid dorm room, like no air conditioning. And I'm just dicking around on an acoustic guitar, listening to this song, for sure, for sure. which is 100% not a song that goes on the acoustic guitar, but you know, what are you, what are you going to do? It's what I have with me. Right. Right. And I think the point that you made, uh, and I want to take in, I, I never knew him personally. And, but just because you don't know somebody personally, and especially if the level of caliber of an artist that they have mm-hmm. and their albums and bands and everything have transcended pop culture in terms of like they led a movement, he was part of a movement. You may not know him personally, but you know him intimately. Right. And that's a very interesting thing. There's other artists that are there. And when I heard this, I, I kind of immediately went back to just my recollection of it. And to be honest, the grunge era. Uh, the Seattle grunge scene mm-hmm. and that like anything that's come out of that was some of the reasons that I started to pursue music and sure, pick up a guitar for the first time and like Soundgarden, you know, super unknown. I yep. remember listening to that and then I was like, okay, wait, he's going to take and go with another band of mine and 
favorite band, Raging Against the Machine, and create this new thing, and it sounds awesome. And then I was, you know, being a musical buff and not necessarily growing up and understanding it, but I was a huge Pearl Jam fan. I didn't really, until later in my years, mm-hmm. realize that the whole connection with Matt Cameron, right. Pearl Jam, uh, the blending of the two, and then how close Temple of the Dog was and Andy Wood and just how the, like tight-knit that scene was. Mm-hmm. And then actually living out in that area, it's like, you know, they've Seattle celebrates uh, their music and sure. takes it very, very seriously. As well they should. So it, it was just, it was a shocker. And like as some of the details came out this morning and, you know, I'm not going to take and repeat any details of what we've heard or what could be speculated because mm-hmm. it's too unknown. Um it's just sad. I, I, it's very sad. I, um, first and foremost, pray and hope everybody in the family, the, the immediate family, mm-hmm. um, is doing well. Uh, is can as, be doing well, yeah, as exactly. well can be with this situation. And then the, you know, and then also in the immediate working f- friends and family, and then the fans themselves can, you know, uh, celebrate the life of mm-hmm. what he and the discography was and. You know, just cherish that for going on. Yeah, I mean, th- he was an immensely gifted musician, not only just a singer, but, uh, you know, from composing. And, I mean, the guy could play, too. Um, and it was, uh, yeah, I mean, you take for granted some of those things, uh, you know, and it was, you know, Soundgarden, with with me and music, you know, it you come, you have different, you know, flows to your music, and you think back to like, oh, like, you know, you, you might be in one mode now. And then like, I heard something like this, like I listened to the entire, uh, second, you know, I think the second audio slave album, uh, out of exile. I listened to that, like on my way down to work, the whole thing through to through. Cause I was like, and just listening to it, it's like, damn, like that whole group together, like ripping around on songs was fantastic. Like, you know, you put those guys in a room together and it's like two groups that I, you know, the melding of two awesome bands that I grew up liking is like, Hey, they're doing something new and fresh now. Um, I mean, it was just, uh, yeah, it's, it's a celebration to, you know, as much as you can at this point, it's like you, you cherish those things that, uh, you know, that were, were produced and, you know, uh, obviously, uh, you know, with the details you know, surrounding it, uh, you know, you, you don't know everything that happened or everything that was going on in his life that, uh, you know, um, had things transpire the, the way they did. But, uh, you know, you, that, like I said, at this point, you just kind of try and celebrate the music and, uh, you know, uh, hope that everyone else that is, you know, personally involved with him is, uh, you know, able to hold up. Yeah. I remember, so my personal discovery into, like, grunge, and I, I loved it. And, mm-hmm. like I said before, Temple of the Dog obviously came second or third almost to it. I, I remember listening, the first time I listened to Super Unknown, the album, that was the first album I yeah. actually got into, exposed to, and uh, Spoon Man was one of my favorite songs sure. of all time, and Black Hole Sun is the the radio jam that got everybody. Right, I mean, I remember, I mean, that came out in 94, 95, yeah. and I remember being, you know, obviously seven, eight years old at the time, and like, hearing that song for the first time, and then like... Just like not understanding what the hell was going on with like the lyrics and the music, like just the, and then like obviously growing into it, like getting older and understanding like you know the the different things that they did in the production of that whole song was like it was you know even more interesting as I got older. But like I remember sitting in my parents' van like driving around and that song getting played all the time. Right, right. For me, it was that album, and then I would listen to. I remember listening to a lot of Offspring, like coinciding with Mm -hmm. that time. 
what was it, the Smash album? Yep. Uh, and then Ixnay on the Ombre. Mm-hmm. And then for me, like that was the like that's kind of like the angsty like side of things. And I started to learn about like Green Day '94. Was listening to a lot of Green Day too. And then I started to explore explore more of like Pearl Jam and got exposed to Ten and then just all that mm-hmm. stuff. And through you know listening to a lot of Pearl Jam, then became a huge fan of just that, like the nexus of like okay what was going on historically. And then okay, so there's Pearl Jam, there's Nirvana, there's all these different bands, there's Alice in Chains, there's all these different things coming out of this certain area, and just being like naturally inquisitive and curious. Yeah. Uh, trying to find like for me it was trying to find the origins of how things certain things worked and it's like wow this this gentleman was there at the at the like the inception of a mm-hmm. lot of these different uh, the inception and the nexus the crossing points of the intersections of a lot of these different projects sure. um and i mean to per- put in perspective like on the composition side like he did work with uh the the James Bond films mm-hmm. like in terms he's of the like, first uh, American or first non-British uh, person to compose a Bond theme song. Yeah, and I will like the the most interesting thing is his vo- voice and vocal range is one that is going to be it's it's hard to take in. It's often imitated, never right. replicated. Well, I think he was four octaves or something along those lines. Like uh, that's crazy because yeah. I'm at probably at most part of an octave, <laughs> two notes of an octave. <laughs> yeah, a quarter of an octave. So. Um, yeah, I mean, they, like we, like I said before, like just an immensely talented and gifted musician. Um, and yeah, I mean, produced some music that, uh, obviously continues to, you know, stand the test of time. Uh, I don't think that, uh, there's much out there as far as available for like criticism of like any, you know, really much of his work. I mean, it's all pretty much stands up. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Songs that you will always go to, like for me, I know a couple in my brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are a couple that you'd go to? Um, I like uh, "My Wave" a lot. Um, that's a good one. I like that riff, even though it's very simple. Um, and then uh, "Outshined" is probably my favorite. You know, Chris Cornell-oriented song. You know, uh, across any of his projects. And then I really like um, from "Audio Slave," uh, "Man or Animal." Mm-hmm. Like a Stone is always going to be mm-hmm. one from Audio Very good. Slave. Uh, Rusty Cage off the first album. Oh, yeah. Uh, is great. And I think for me, the the song that kind of shows the vocal range and the prowess and like the technical ability and also is like the epitome of 100% Seattle grunge is Temple of the Dog Hunger Strike. Sure. Um, like you can't ask for anything. And that was also a tribute to, you know, the first. You know, to Andy. Yeah, to Andy absolutely. Um, yeah, and one other, like, weird one, uh, and another great song, and a, a great audio slave song, uh, uh, Your Time Has Come, uh, by then, which kind of is unfortunate. You know, it's all about musing about, you know, how people die before they're supposed to, um, but also just another, like, fantastic song. Like, his lyrics were always, you know, relatively, uh, you know, they, they could range – well, but like a lot of them were pretty dark, like yeah. just dealing with different, you know, either whether it's insecurities or different things he saw in the world that, you know, and I mean, it, there were plenty of lighter ones too, especially more so I think with Audio Slave than with, uh, um, than with Soundgarden. But uh, yeah, there's just like a, a, everything that he wrote was, you know, there, there wasn't a lack of art 
you know there was there was no hacking you know in any of that stuff it was all uh just well executed and you know it's it's just a shame it's it's really what it is you know the the music world lost a an icon yep so. i i mean yeah 100 percent. i don't think there's any other uh way to sum up that you know so yeah. i think uh just like it, to chris yep cheers to uh you know the the catalog and to what he produced and uh no no goofy sound noises or anything like that cuz uh it's doesn't warrant it but uh yeah that's uh that's our little uh rundown through uh you know just kind of a uh, um an unfortunate uh, circumstance but uh you know we're going to continue listening and enjoying uh, everything that was put out absolutely so, 100% so with that patrick we must adjourn into a new topic we shall um and we're going to we're going to stick around in our you know our early days because uh, you know that's that's where we just framed ourselves into our you know we were talking music informative things but uh, well maybe maybe look into the literary side of things and uh, talk about a certain book franchise that uh, we might have been fond of as uh, you know school age children. Okay, how school aged? We're we're talking the elementary school range, my man. Clifford the Big Red Dog. No, no, no. We're gonna we're gonna be you know moving up in the world. We're getting into you know a little bit better narrative arcs and uh, some more ba- more elaborate. Club? S- you know, maybe I think we're going a little bit beyond that because you know we want to we want to experience the world. We want to be spooked about certain things. We want to experience the surreal. Okay. We got to talk a little bit about goosebumps. Things that go bump in the night. Things goosebumps. that go bump in the night. Interesting thing that we chose Goose Island while doing Goosebumps. I know you didn't think I about didn't that. I didn't think that one through, but yes. uh it worked. Uh yes, shout out to there. So, <laughs> um Goosebumps. Man, I this really kind of does go back to childhood and stuff like that. I remember the Scholastic Book Fair and oh, you try yeah. to Pops, can I get this? No. 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 <laughs> we that was the answer every damn time I wanted to go to the book fair. And I mean, obviously, my parents wanted me to have books, but those books were expensive. They were expensive from Scholastic. We got them from, I think, Borders, yeah, Barnes yeah. & Noble. You know, Pops was smart. See, that like I remember Goosebumps were the first like transitionary books for me to get into like bigger like novels. Mm-hmm. Like, so from Goosebumps, uh, you know, I started to read Congo, Michael Crichton. Oh yeah, some sure. Jurassic that's Park. A, that's a great book. Uh, some Jurassic Park. Yep. Uh, the X Wing, the thick books. You know. Mm-hmm. I never got into like anything too crazy outside of that. I knew where my bread and butter was um, <laughs> in terms of that. But you, the, you haven't finished War and Peace yet? <laughs> War, what is it good for? <laughs> <laughs> Tolstoy was inspired. He didn't need inspiration. Uh, watch Seinfeld if you don't get that reference. Um, but uh, Goosebumps for me, like, yeah, I used to, I can't remember, I can't rally off like 10 topics of them. I know there were 62 books. I probably read 30 of them. And yeah, I, that's probably a fair amount. I yeah. think I probably got to half. And it was always based on the cover. That R.L. Stein was making a ton of bank. Dude, you know? R.L. Stein. All right, so I looked that up because that's what I was interested in. I wanted to know how much the dude was R. bringing L. home. R.L. Stein is the Dean Koontz so of Scholastic he Books. Totally is, dude. In so in '96, he like they had like the you know the Forbes does the rankings of like you know entertainers. Yeah. Dude, dude made like forty one million dollars in '96. Just peddling smut. Like to he kids. he was in the top fifty of like entertainers, which is crazy because he's writing these i mean not he to made, knock the man 40 million and 41 million dollars that single year that single year dude that's probably more than greg maddox made pitching for the braves <laughs> it, it's perspective yeah um or the cubs at that time no well no he would have been with the braves he, yeah yeah 
For sure, because they were, yeah, that was during the Braves' big run. I had to work Greg Maddox into <laughs> R.L. Stein goosebumps. Uh, well, of course. Um, yeah, so he made like $41 million that year, and he his net worth is something around like $200 million. Not bad. Dude, he's like a he's like a one-fifth of a Seinfeld. <laughs> well, yeah, but, you know, we can't all you know get that Seinfeld money. You know, I, I think I, I'd settle for net worth of $200 million right in Writing he wrote significant. <laughs> he wrote significantly less shows than Jerry and Larry David did. More movies though. He had a lot of movies made. Really, really. Yeah, dude. They made they made movies out of like a ton of those books. So I'm gonna take it take it real right now. So yeah. I did the research today. Okay, but that's only half the disturbing part of this because I've actually done the research previously. Uh, a couple of years ago, I looked on eBay. To see what a full collection would cost. Like all the books? All the books okay. and CDs. And I didn't pull the trigger then because I couldn't find one like in a full collection. Okay. Today, there's two on eBay. One for, I think, 375 and one for 350 no shipping. Uh, and one for th- uh, 275 plus two CDs, but you do have to pay shipping. Ooh. So there's two collections out there. Somebody... Someone's going to snap them up now that they hear this. My question is, is how did some... Were these original collections that were kept together, or did somebody piecemeal goosebump books together to create a collection? And yeah, because they're not doing like a box set, right? Like it's not a, a oh, no, marketing these, piece. These are one hundred percent original. These are OG. Okay. Yeah, original goosebumps. <laughs> so, like, I don't know. What was your favorite goosebump? My favorite goosebumps book. Sure. Um, I would say that that it probably. Um, what was it? The 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 dummy one, the Night of the Living, the dummy. I think it was something like the, along those lines. Let me see. I know they've got the title of it in here somewhere. Seventeen. Um, se- that was the seventeenth episode. Oh, I have no oh. idea. I was just like, <laughs> um, yeah, Night of the Living Dummy. I think they made a couple of them. Was it seventeen? Um, no, it was Night of the Living Dummy. Was number seven. Close. Ah, Close. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I I like that one. The I don't prime know. Number. I don't know why. I don't remember why. I just remember like. Sitting there in my room, and and when I was growing up in Waukegan, I think pretty confident on a waterbed, like reading these these fucking books. So good thing you weren't reading the swamp one, otherwise you'd be freaking out. Well, on see, the waterbed. see now if we're gonna talk movies, I I owned the Werewolf of Fever Swamp, and that one was money, not necessarily because it was particularly well executed, but because it was preposterous and on the film version. So do you think that the Goosebumps movie has played any effect into your ability to watch s- movies right now? Because this sounds like if it was bad, or no, let me re- use your term, the, pre- preposterous. Well, let's be specific on Goosebumps movie. Are we talking about the VHS movies that they made in the 90s, or are we talking about the 2015 version with Jack ba- Jack Black playing R.L. Formative Stein? years. Because like, okay. this is what dictated you growing up. Is did the Goosebump movies have a direct correlation to you liking Riff Tracks and Sharknado and what was that yeah. one with Frankie uh, Blast Vegas? Oh yeah, Frankie Muniz and that one. Uh, I don't think it necessarily. Well, you know what? Shit. Not when I was that young, but me and my buddies would watch Werewolf of Fever Swamp when we were in high school, and that was it. Wasn't necessarily the movie that got me into it but it certainly played a role because we would watch that because the transformation of the neighbor kid into the werewolf is uh well spoiler alert um is fairly ridiculous are you sure you weren't watching teen wolf (laughs) i'm positive i'm positive there was a swamp hermit that that wandered around the swamp he was actually a good guy kind of like in home alone the neighbor yeah yeah 
kind of almost like that, except not. <laughs> See, R.L. Stein's <laughs> taking pieces from other popular culture movies and bank walking forty million dollars to the bank. Tim Allen losing his show and stuff, but that's that's for another day. Wait, Tim Allen losing his? He show? lost his new show, his his latest show that it was on ABC. Oh, I thought he had a Goosebumps show. <laughs> oh like. man, if, I don't think Goosebumps for as much money <laughs> as R.L. Stein made, I don't think that uh, Tim Allen was you know at that point in time with with home improvement money, like you weren't affording Tim Allen on a Goosebumps film. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the the I would say it definitely played a a, a role in my uh, enjoyment of awful movies. Yeah, why not? Why wouldn't it? I don't know. No. I'm just thinking thinking out loud here. It's a it's a rhetorical question. Sorry, <laughs> I I unplugged my headphones so I couldn't hear anything you said for like the past <laughs> ten seconds. That's why I was I, giving you like the signal because like, I like to party. Yeah. I only know the Navy SEAL signals. Yeah, I was like, I don't know what's going on. Oh God! What say you though? What uh, what Goosebumps uh, novels were you into? God, I don't even remember. There was one with a like a King Tut on there that was pretty good. Okay, well, let's find. I got the list up. Uh, so it's not Night of the Living Dummy. That's where my action is. Return of the Mummy. Yeah, that sounds about right. That's probably it. I'm guessing. There's some really bad titles in this franchise. No, the though. Mummy actually had the Mummy. There was a King Tut. Like there was an Egyptian one. It was like. It was the Curse blue. of the Mummy's Tomb? Probably. That okay. sounds right. That's, that's uh, number five in the franchise. There was one that was like a swamp monster, too. Yeah, see, I don't know. Uh, that that one, I don't know. Off, you know there, there's 62 of these damn things. What about, but some of these titles, though, some of these titles flat out suck. They do not stand the test of time. Go Eat Worms. That's nope. a title of a book. That's bad. Um, let's see. I mean, The Cuckoo Clock of Doom, that's pretty legit. Cuckoo. That's like a, that's like a, almost like a metal band name. But... Uh, yeah, the Revenge of the Lawn Gnomes, that just sounds... I, I own gnomes. It, 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 it sounds like a Travelocity commercial. <laughs> it, it almost does. Yeah, but I mean, dude made How I Got My Shrunken Head. I remember that one. I remember that, that one, one yeah. 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 Um, Ghost Camp, I think. Oh, I, yeah, I remember that one. That's got a creepy dude on the front. Like They cre- all had something creepy on the front. Well, I guess it had to do that because it wasn't the Hardy Boys. <laughs> it had to be things that go bump in the night what were did you get into the series where you had to give yourself the goosebumps and you had to follow the instructions to choose your own adventure i remember choose your own adventures i don't know if i was able to choose mine in the goosebumps realm no i i did a few of them i i was just a, i cheated at it all the time because i wanted to know what was going on in either way so i i would burn through both well, I wouldn't follow the the true progression where you you know you start and then you finish it and then you like all right now I'm gonna go make the opposite decisions. No, I'd be like all right. Well, if I want to go here, go turn to page fifty, or t- if you want to go here, turn to page seventy. Put one I'd go to fifty, in, yeah. then go to seventy, yeah, and, and check out what I liked more, and then go from that route. I was kind of forgetful, so when I would do it, I would take and go down the same path several times. And it's like this book sucks. <laughs> I keep going down the same hallway and getting killed like all the time. It's like, oh come on. <laughs> <laughs> not very bright as a child. Yeah, well, you know, it, it uh, you know, goosebumps taught you one thing. It's that, uh, well, hell, I don't know. There's a lot of creepy, fake shit out there that might kill you. Right. And, um, what do I do now? I program computers. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <Did> <laughs> it you, worked out at the end. <laughs> do you ever recall um, the? I think it was a Saturday morning show. It was totally a ripoff of Goosebumps. Loose Eerie, pumps. No. <laughs> yeah, loose pumps. <laughs> Eerie, Indiana. No. Oh man, there was a show. I think it was on Fox, and it was literally just the same premise, like spooky shit for kids, like between ages like seven and eleven, and it was most definitely just a total ripoff. Now, as but some of them weren't bad. Now the TV show. If you is. had this is this is a hypothetical. 
So if you had a kid who is in school right now, say in the second, third grade, and they brought you the Scholastics home. Yeah. And there's a R.L. Stein. Jun- there's probably an app for it now. No, no, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> they bring in the Scholastics home because they're, they're doing an OG, uh-huh. original Goosebumps okay. style. But it's R.L. Stein Jr. is writing Goosebumps too. <laughs> Would you buy those for your kids? Uh, I'd probably, I probably wouldn't. I'd probably stick with the originals. Um, because at least I know that much. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to have to go into new territory and have to like, be like, all right, is the, does this shit check out for my kids? Like, yeah. no, I, w- I think I'll just leave it with the originals. I know where, you know, the lay of the land there, you know, it's the devil, you know, that's probably a Goosebumps title. Yeah. Should we talk about the racket that was the Scholastic oh, books? 100%. We can't not talk about it. Man, I remember bringing home that stupid flyer. That and the fact that they always had badass posters yeah, for sale. The only reason you wanted the books <laughs> was to get the poster. They had badass like car posters and sports posters. They were all... I, I mean, I could be wrong but i think they were outrageously expensive for the oh, posters yeah. they were probably like 10 bucks a piece or something like that there was the, always that kid who had mom and dad bought them oh everything. yeah oh yeah I'm like damn you yeah i i got books from the book fair with fair enough regularity um but it was like one book or two books like it wasn't it was never hey just go load up like i mean i know that it's a it's a noble cause you know obviously you're getting helping kids read and and all that good stuff but i mean they were take they they weren't uh struggling for income although i did read that in 96 the same year that rl stein made like 41 million dollars he was like 15 percent of their total revenue of all of scholastics revenue because he had a contract with them to write the books for sure yeah that's wild <laughs> and like their numbers dropped drastically when he stopped writing them and the kids actually started reading <laughs> or the parents started reading well, think about it. What did Goosebumps pay the way for, for a lot of people? Goosebumps of the generation after us was called Young Harry Potter. Yeah. Tor- and so, Harry Potter was better, though. I agree. I'm just saying that's, you know, yeah. the natural progression. It's like Harry Potter, then you have Game on Thrones. I think for the <laughs> next, for the next de- uh, you know, the next generation, it's going to be Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah, I don't think so. Scholastic Book Fair. <laughs> Scholastic <laughs> That would be <laughs> the abridged version and <laughs> the community college edition. It's going to be a totally different concept. Like, I don't think there's any way you can work in that in in any of the concepts from that book um, and present it to school age children. What if it was a choose your own adventure? That would be I, I'm pretty sure that if you drive up off the interstate in Wisconsin, you can find a store that has one of those. Okay. <laughs> Investors, possibly you. <laughs> I'm working. I'll workshop this. I'll workshop this uh, Scholastic Books Fifty Shades of Grey. If they can make four feature film American Pies and four straight to DVDs, I can make a straight to paper. That's bag. just on the be- on the strength of Eugene Levy, though. Right. So if I get Eugene Levy to narrate the book on tape, oh, God. <laughs> Jim's dad, Fifty Shades of Grey Scholastic Book Fair, narrated by Eugene Levy and Patrick Stewart. Okay, I think we can make that work. I think as long as we can get the talent on board, I think there's a uh, viable market for it. <laughs> yeah, but there's totally, there's probably totally an app now for Scholastic Book Fair. Like you probably don't get to go to the book fair anymore. You probably they're probably like, oh, all right, just go on the app, pick whatever book you want, and then it just shows up 
I just remember them giving us the flyers to take home. Oh, yeah. 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 To hawk it to our parents. Exactly. The flyers. And then it would come to, like, they would have the cases full of books and they would set it up, like, in the lobby or in the library of your school. I remember getting Waldo books there occasionally. Yeah. I got all my Waldo books secondhand. Yeah. My cousin got them and then they dropped onto me. Reading Waldo books at the dentist's office. That's how they got me to go to the dentist. It's like. <laughs> Well, and it was also my dad was forcing us. Well, Patrick, know. any last uh, goosebumps thoughts before we uh, wrap this bad boy up? Loose pumps. <laughs> Loose pumps. <laughs> that that's that is the Fifty there Shades of Grey. You just got your title. Yep. So we're going to call it <laughs> at this point because we are on to a great idea. So, Patrick. leave Always leave them wanting leave more. Leave them wanting more. Exactly. Go out like Costanza. So while we're here, I got to crack into my next beer here. But uh, why don't you intro our uh, our our fantastic debate topic that we have uh getting ready to go up and we're going back to music again because you know that's just the way we roll yes i think um i, I might have been hammered one night coming up with show ideas or different <laughs> topics and I, the creative juices were 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 the flowins were they percolating uh, they were or they per- were flowing they were flowing okay. and it, like it came out with a great thing and so i think we had a straw poll today on the facebook page and if you've been responding i know there were some questions as to what type of party like, and that was not really a direct question of who would you rather party with? But the question that I had posed is if you had the opportunity to tour and be part of the band, right? Which band would you be wanting to be part of mm-hmm. Neil Young or Neil Diamond? Correct. And so the reason that this came up with, I want to party with you, Neil. <laughs> exactly. So yes, we, that's an important thing because that's an element of the touring though. Like if you're yeah. going out to, you know, go and make make a banging record, and then you got to go out and you know, bring that that joy to the crowds. Like parting's just gonna happen, so you, we need to know which one you'd rather hang out with. See, I think both of them were Playboys. Oh yeah, I'm sh- well, Neil Young's very Canadian. Yeah, very Canadian. So well, well, let's make let's establish a little bit of uh, ground rule here, though, because Neil Young obviously has a wide. Uh, uh, variety of different so does diamond yes but i'm saying like are we talking neil young before crosby stills and nash and young are we talking during crosby stills nash and young are we talking neil young and crazy horse are we talking neil young now where he's playing with what's a promise of the real i think i think yes is the answer okay if you could go on tour uh we could say like neil young what is he was he on asylum with david geffen Prior to yep yep when he made his computer like, album or whatever no when he like first came on right oh yeah but yeah. in the uh, yeah then because then when Geffen had his label um, and Neil Young signed with him I, I think Geffen sued him for one of the albums that he made yeah okay so now that you know the genre the time frame you could take and pick it I don't okay. know I'm that's a that's a good so well let's leave it open because I think we will limit ourselves to I th- I'm like I like to. <laughs> I like to party. I like to picture my Jesus <laughs> wearing tuxedo T-shirt. I like to picture my Neil Young. Uh, I'm gonna go with probably late '80s to early '90s Neil Young when he was really into grunge. Yeah, that's like that's. Like I think Pearl that's Jam appropriate for today. Band. Yeah, like that's where I'm gonna roll with my Neil Young and Neil Diamond. Uh, I'm thinking jumpsuit. Hot August night. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's where I'm going there. Um, I don't know what what uh what do you think the the high points what what do you think the benefits of either would be like lead off with what do you think the benefits of of touring or being in the band with Neil Neil Diamond what do you think the high points would be lots of tail okay yeah 
I think you, you bring Neil and Neil Diamond into a room. Yeah. You know, he. Yeah, I think you get you can pick up the scraps pretty well. <laughs> like everybody's gonna want to party with Neil. What's uh? What member of the band would you want to be? Oh God, I don't know. Um. Probably a backup singer. Okay. Because like, I don't. I don't think I could play guitar in there like are you I gonna do the little like the oh, hand yeah, gestures absolutely. and all that yeah yeah oh i'm a mind <laughs> i'm a mind <laughs> yeah i think absolutely okay the hand gestures there you know a story of my <laughs> excuse life. me russell i believe i requested <laughs> the hand job <laughs> yeah no i think if you went with neil young or neil diamond the hot august night during the 70s okay like everybody going around like just by the fact of being like one of the top touring artists of all time at that time mm-hmm. uh, amazing i think one of the ancillary benefits of traveling and being on Neil Young's tour at that time was you had a lot of access to um, illicit substances if you chose to partake in them. Yes, if you were into that, I think they would. I mean, I think for any musician, they are, there are people who will avail themselves to you that ha- can supply you with uh, things that you might be interested in. Yeah, and but for, yeah, especially with. Uh, I, I think he knew enough of those people to have a. Uh, smorgasbord of things available a, 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 a plethora or a, a cornucopia, cornucopia yes. of sorts um and i think this might not be a cop-out but i think if i were to tour with neil young it would probably be as a sound engineer okay um because i wouldn't want like i like neil young 100 percent as he goes like right to the t mm-hmm. like you it's tough to tour with neil young when he's playing an acoustic and a harmonica and be in the the band when yeah. it's just like it's Neil Young and that guy. Well, so you could say Neil Young and Crazy Horse. I guess, yeah. So you're gonna have to either punt someone out of Crazy Horse or you're gonna have to join Crazy Horse. I'll be the sound engineer. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'll I'll be the lighting guy or the boom mic guy. <laughs> the boom mic guy. Um Neil, yeah. is this cool? Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> he's uh I think I'm going to lean um towards the towards Neil Young out of artistic respect and out of uh sheer uh like general pissed off rock and roll uh vibes that he had in that time frame the of the eighties and nineties, uh or eighties and early nineties. I mean, he's always been something of a uh you know, a protester as far as uh um, you know, thing you know the vietnam war i mean very very much active i don't think i could get down with hanging out with neil young at this point and having him try and hawk his pono player at me and hi-fi music and all that stuff this (laughs) tinfoil but uh you know i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna take it you know at at that point in time that's that's where i'm i'm sticking into i'm gonna i'm gonna jump in there and i think i'm gonna be i don't know if i want to necessarily join the band either because they were you know they they were pretty locked in um but if i had to join the band i would want to be something very simple perhaps a uh guy playing the uh tambourine that's a the a, mr tambourine man yeah. i think that was the i don't want to be i don't want to be the tambourine man i don't want to be known as that I want to be like the alternate percussionist. You just want to like explore the studio yeah, with the ex- cowbells? Exactly. Like you get if I've got a cowbell, if I've got a tambourine, uh you know, one of the, what's the instrument with the stick and the little uh, you know the wood block that you uh, it makes like the it makes a you know goofy little Isn't noise. Isn't that the marimba? Ma- maybe it is the marimba. I don't fucking know. Or you could play a marimba. Whatever. Yeah. Sure. If if he's got djembe's in there, I'm going to you know bop what about the djembe. Slide whistle. 
That wouldn't be percussion, but I'm not opposed to it. You could hit it with a stick. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> a kazoo. A slide whistle. <laughs> what do you do? I play the kazoo. <laughs> I'm, the, <laughs> I'm Neil's kazoo accompaniment. <laughs> well, he played the mouth harp. Yeah, but, you know, kazoo, you know, the, the pitch isn't quite the same. Doesn't quite have the versatility. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think that's where I want to be. I want to be there but in a very obscure role. Right. All joking aside, though, it's really tough to pick songwriting. Like, they are both, mm-hmm. like, consummate songwriters. So, like, song selection, song choice, like, yeah, they're different genres. One's more love song, one's more protest, one, they, they explore different things. Some are acoustic, some are more done up, but I think, you know, top down, you know, they're both really good in terms of songwriting, so that that's a tough part. It's a it's a difficult decision. So, like I want to party with Neil. You want? Well, c- can we? Can I be the talent booker who books Neil and Neil? Neil and Neil. Yeah. Are they going to do duets? No, they're going to be a triforce. It's going to be the new holy triforce. Neil Pert. Neil, Neil, and Neil. <laughs> Neil Pert's going to come play too. <laughs> it's the super holy triumvirate. I don't think that. I mean, I, I like. But, you know, I love. Uh, it could be called two out of three ain't bad. It could take a meatloaf <laughs> reference because two are Canadian. I don't think that Neil Peart is his drumming. Well, I shouldn't say that dude can drum his way pretty much anywhere. But I don't know if it jives with either one of them. I don't think they're the nece- necessarily the best artistic combination. But I'm for it. Investors, possibly you. <laughs> we get the Neil, Neil, and Neil. I want to party with you, Neils tour. <laughs> I want to party with the Jack Neils. Black. If you're listening. Please contact our people. We'll contact you. We're going to get this up and running here. Yeah, I mean, I that movie, I mean, obviously is the origin of the joke. But, uh, I mean, there's some very real, uh, you know, there's there's a dedicated following of Neil Diamond, much like there is with a lot of artists. But, like, you you see it go to, like, a slightly higher extreme with some, some people like Neil Diamond or, like, a Jimmy Buffett. Um, you know, guys like that where it's like, oh, we're going to go follow like them on tour and stuff. It's like Dave Matthews, Dave. Oh God, Dave Matthews, Jesus Peter Christ. Frampton, fish. Frampton um, goes a lot. <laughs> but, uh, isn't, wait, isn't Neil Diamond, didn't he, j- is he playing Wrigley or is going to play Wrigley? I think it's coming up or uh, that or Summerfest. I think he's coming around here. Not too, not too long from now. The only reason to go to Wrigley Field, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a couple shows going to Wrigley Field. Don't, uh, don't sell it short. I just got. Well, I've been to two yeah. there. I've been to more concerts at Wrigley Field than I have baseball games <laughs> in the past decade. That's uh, that's awesome. And they've only been doing concerts for, like, it hasn't been that long. I know. That's awesome. <laughs> it makes me feel so good. The uh, Yeah, I think the, uh, I think the rock and roll opulence i think i would enjoy more so I, my stand is going to be i'm going i'm going on tour and partying with neil young i think that's that's where i'm standing i want to live the rock and roll lifestyle for a little while not that there's anything wrong with with neil diamond but i want to i want to do the rock thing sure i mean uh that's just that's just where i'm at with it uh but uh, i can respect anyone's decision that if they want to go and uh clean house or clean up so to speak uh with uh you know a neil diamond <laughs> clean uh, house. <laughs> well you might do that too but uh right. you know, <laughs> um that's uh that's a a conscious decision that one has to make and uh i won't uh i won't 
think of you in any lesser regard if that was the way you were to choose. This is a set list from the Millennium Concert. <laughs> it looks like a photocopy. It's autographed. I paid a lot of <laughs> money for that. <laughs> I think you got <laughs> taken. <laughs> this is the Hall O'Neill. Would you dress like so? All right. Yep. Uh, are we to say that you're going to you're going you're going to stay on the the Neil Diamond side of things? Like, is that is that your position, or are you, have you not decided fully? No, I'm on I the, know you, you can't have it all. Uh, you know, you've got to pick one. You can't. I'm on the you can't Neil, have Neil, and Neil. Tour. We, we've established we want to do the Neil, 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 but you have to pick one. Opening act is meatloaf to get the two out of three ain't <laughs> bad part. Yes, like, uh, and again, I'm for it, but one mass. You have to draw a line in the sand here. Okay, so I would probably say, didn't he play with Buffalo Springfield too? Yes, fact. And that's probably why I would take and go. Like I'd be, I'd love to be the sound engineer for Buffalo Springfield. Yeah, that would have been interesting. I mean, one album, but uh, certainly a, a, I mean, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, one album that spawned, yes, one album as Buffalo Springfield, right. but then spawned Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, absolutely, like, all that stuff. So yeah, like I would probably tour with Neil Young. You're gonna go with Neil? Yeah, but Neil Diamond, you could <laughs> really clean up depending on like you know the panda and Neil. Yeah, I mean, you're definitely wearing a sparkly, bejeweled shirt. And probably tight fitting pants is what that, that's probably what you're gonna roll. So, with. Sounds like a normal Wednesday. <laughs> sounds, <for me. laughs> sounds like this past weekend. Yeah. Well, not really <laughs> sparkly pants. It's more like you know, no pants. But well, no, I, tight fitting pants is where where I say <laughs> sparkly Super, shirt. Okay. Sparkly. I mean, you might have a little bejewel action, maybe down like a piping, a, a bejeweled she piping. Likes the way she moves <laughs> cherry. Do you think that uh, Sweet Caroline's overplayed? Uh yeah. In the in the environment in of the sports sporting arena? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know that it's like a Boston thing, I guess, but um I definitely think it's way overdone. Yeah, I think they play their baseball games way too long <laughs> to <laughs> give them opportunities to play three or four times through. Like I, no, there's no reason a five hour baseball game should occur in major league baseball in a modern era. Like if, if you can play a Neil Diamond concert and it's over long before your baseball game is over with you're you're doing something wrong. Yeah, on ne- the baseball. Yeah, <laughs> Neil's actually playing in right field bleachers while the Red Sox have a game <laughs> on. They're there for the Neil, like actually singing. Like, gosh, I don't know. <laughs> I know that's a joke. That's hyperbole right there. But that's yeah. A uh, huge fan of both. Like, there's just a time and place for Neil Young. I I can throw Neil Young on all the time. Yeah. Um, and do that. Neil Diamond. I haven't willingly not not. I'm not gonna say willingly listen to. I mean, like you haven't chosen to listen. Yeah, I, I haven't chosen to like throw the synopsis or the, the the discography or the catalog of Neil Diamond on in a sure. while. Well, and that's a uh, just another wonderful uh, thing about music is that there will be a point in time, perhaps later this evening or in the next you know few days or weeks, where it's like, oh, I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna blast this out, and you're gonna you're gonna hear in in Chicago, Illinois, windows perhaps open, and you're gonna hear Neil Diamond blaring. And it's you're gonna know who it is wearing tight pants. <laughs> you're, you're gonna you perhaps might see a large man on a balcony wearing a sparkly shirt, wearing tight pants, and doing his best Neil Diamond impression. And that's my friends how you'll know it is Patrick. Yeah. <laughs> One last question before we take and uh, you know digress onto this: mm-hmm. Neil Young, Neil Diamond, or Neil deGrasse Tyson? <laughs> For what? Yep. Yep. Uh, Karaoke partner. Ooh. Neil deGrasse Tyson, because then you have it's a wild card. Yeah, because yeah, because if you if you have him and he nails it, you're gonna get drinks bought for you. Like 
no one's gonna like no one thinks that you're gonna do great if it's Neil Diamond or Neil Young that's like your partner. It's like yeah, no shit, he's awesome. Yeah, I still think the whole Mike DeGrasse Tyson is something <laughs> that I need to take in workshop again. That we're, we're still working on business ideas here. We've got we've got plenty of them. <laughs> Mike DeGrasse Tyson, that's great. <laughs> Well, Mike Patrick, Tyson, Mike Tyson doing physics lectures. <laughs> hey guys, this is a neutrino. Perhaps Khan Academy could yeah, get in on that. Exactly. <laughs> we'll hit them up. I'm not far from them. <laughs> just I got an idea for you. I'm just gonna do a knock on their door at their office. <laughs> got two ideas for you: Neil Young versus Neil Diamond. Okay, you don't like that one? Neil, Neil, and Neil. Okay, you don't like that one? Karaoke with these guys. <laughs> what? You don't like Mike Tyson? Okay, fine. <laughs> that would be a. I mean, if if you can't win with one of those ideas, you're. I mean, it's their loss. It's not our loss. We we'll find a way. We'll get it done. Where there's a will, there's a way. Exactly. Well, Patrick, it's time to cut this bad boy off. We've got to do the womp 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 womp. Oh, Price is Right. So, it is the end of the episode. We have reached the end of our third topic, and we have got to wrap things up for the evening. Awesome. Well, Steve, thanks for being here for our George Blanda. Our George Blanda episode. Yeah, I, not a bland, but Blanda <laughs> episode. Um, yeah, it was good. Beer of the week was obviously Goose Island, and it was Goose uh, Island. Sophie, Sophie, serendipitously picked for the Goosebumps talk. If you haven't done so, <laughs> do us a huge favor. Go on to iTunes, Google Play, subscribe to the podcast there. Also, we have the website. Go to ohthispodcast.com. You can listen to the player right there. Follow us, support us, do all the stuff from the support tab. There also check out previous episodes, all that stuff. Send us an email if you have any show ideas, show topics, anything you want to talk about. Reach out for us. Let us know. We are on the Instagram too. We post. Ooh, yes, we post the photos on there. We get a lot of love there. Um, I guess we can let this cat out of the bag. Uh, also, it uh, is. It, we have a yeah. There, there's a little show news. Yeah, so we do have uh, the benefactor for the Grease show, which mm-hmm. is awesome. So we're going to be doing that in the next couple of weeks. But also, if you haven't done so, uh, we're going to be going to Podcast Movement in August, yep. which is a pretty exciting thing for the show because we're going to go talk to other podcasters, other things there. So if you're going to be at the conference um, and want a sticker, hit us up, or you want to talk before the show, or you want to be on the show, or you want to party with Neil. You, you want to party with Neil. Steve. You want to talk about our very in-depth uh, you know, production techniques that we go through, uh, uh, rigorous exercises that we do to uh, put ourselves in game shape for these recordings. I mean, I did four burpees before this episode. I did four burps before the episode. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're going to be there. We're ex- very excited about that for there. And if you haven't done so, I think this podcast movement still has tickets available. They are not sponsoring us. We are doing it because we're just excited. Yep. We're just taking and doing this here. We're ready to go. But um, until next time, I'm Steve. I'm Patrick. Thanks, guys. We will talk to you. Next time.